0: are pressing on today in our series, short little series to start off the new year, and this is it. This is the third of the three messages in this series that we're calling Habits for Growth, uh, and it, we've recognized that uh, we're often told to, to, to begin certain habits recognizing that it's the habits, the things that we do over and over again that start to form who we are. And we need to be intentional about the habits that we have because of that purpose, And we need to be intentional about the habits that we have, because naturally, on our own, we would do something other than these things. So, week one, we talked about our need to have the habit of being together, being being, uh, in, in fellowship with God through spending time in prayer and in the world, because naturally, we would, we would spend a lot of time in fellowship with our phone, just like scrolling through mindlessly all sorts of things that really don't matter all that much, while neglecting fellowship with the one and true God that was bought for us with the, with the precious blood of Jesus, right? And so we talked about making a habit of fellowship with God through prayer and time in the Bible. That's reading, that's studying, meditating, memorizing, being in the Word, because the Bible is how we hear from God, prayer is how we talk to God. We want that relationship to grow, we need to have that habit. And Then last week, we talked about having a habit of being actively engaged in the life of a church family. Because again, naturally, uh, I think Pastor Stan mentioned something about like Bedside Baptist Church, right? Naturally, what we're, we want to do is we want to sleep. It's the weekend. It's been a long week. There's snow outside, and I might have to move some if I want to drive. I might slip. We All sorts of things that, that would naturally say, you know what, I'd rather not gather with my church family This morning, I could watch TV on Wednesday, and I would prefer to hang out with people who I'm totally comfortable with all the time. And in the church, there's people that I'm not totally comfortable with all the time. These aren't people that I would maybe normally all hang out with. But we recognize the need to grow as we spend time together with the people of God. That's one of the gifts that God has given us. So we looked at that last week. Today's habit, as we were introduced to a bit in, in the beginning as uh, Pastor Stan talked a bit to Steve about this it 's the habit of giving earthly treasure because again, naturally, we would be like everybody else because we 're sinful by nature and because we live in this world, we would naturally be like everyone else, and what everyone else does is we treasure earthly things that that becomes what kind of drives us in many ways that 's pretty natural now. Most of us would say, like, no, I'm not, I'm not greedy, but most of us kind of have this idea, if I just had a little bit more, okay, and so we're always craving a little bit more, and then we work to not only acquire a little bit more, but then we have to work to maintain what we've acquired, right, and so soon we start to be consumed by earthly things, and one habit that helps us to free ourselves from that, that kind of tie to earthly things is that we just give earthly treasure away. So we're going to talk a bit about that today. Here's the big idea for today. We grow in our love for Jesus when we generously give our earthly treasure knowing that in Christ we gain a much better and more secure treasure. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, just three verses today. Three points to go with the three verses. Matthew 6, 1920 20, and 21, calling the message, Better Treasure. And you'll note, if you open up your Bible, uh, you can't see this on the screen. That's why I encourage you to take a Bible with you so you can look at the context. I study the context and try to include that in what I'm preaching, but you need to have your Bible open so you can see it yourself. And if you did that, you'd see some of your Bibles have red letters for the words of Jesus. These are words that are in red letters, because uh, mine doesn't have that. Uh, but But Jesus spoke these things. It's in the middle of what is often called the Sermon on the Mount. A time when Jesus took his disciples aside up on a mountaintop and told them, here's what it looks like to live in my kingdom. He wasn't telling them, here's how you get into my kingdom. He was telling them, if I am your Lord, if I'm your master, if I'm the one who rules and you submit to my reign, this is what kingdom life looks like. And so we're going to see a description of a piece of that here in Matthew 6, 19-21. So, you have your Bible, you're opened up to that. If you're able to, would you stand as we read the Word of God together this morning? Let's pray first. Father, we need this. Uh, We've heard lots of stuff again all week. We've read lots of stuff. Our mind has processed lots of stuff. Our hearts might be heavy For one reason or another, our lives feel full. But God, I thank you that your spirit knows all of that. You know where we're at. You know where we need to be. And I pray that you would be at work by your spirit in such a way now that you take us from where we're at to where we need to be. I don't know what you need to accomplish altogether, but I pray that you'd use your word and use my preaching of it uh, to accomplish what you need to accomplish in each of us here today. In Jesus' name, amen. God's word in Matthew 6, verses 19 to 21. God says this Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen. You can be seated. As I mentioned, three points to go with the three verses, and you can open up uh, your bulletin and find a sermon outline there. There's a couple things for you to fill in as you go through there. Hopefully just the, the act of writing along with listening and, and watching uh, helps you to together retain some of this. Uh, and then there's a life group guide uh, that follows that as well as we seek to be people who don't just hear the Word uh, but obey it. So, Matthew 6:19. We begin by hearing about some unsecured investments that we can make. Okay? We're going to hear first about some unsecured investments. There's going to be in this passage both a negative command and a positive command. You saw that, probably heard that as I read that. And Jesus begins with the negative command, a do not. Okay? So he says this, do not, and he's going to tell us what not to do. Talking to his disciples, he tells them, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. What is it that, what what are the things that people treasure here on earth? I think most of the time you could fit them into the categories of power, pleasure, money, and stuff. okay. Power, pleasure, money, and stuff. These are earthly treasures. These are things that that people in this world long for and seek to get for themselves. Seeking to get pleasure, comfort, however you want to say it. Seeking to get power in some way or another. Seeking to get money and the stuff that money can buy. This This is what drives us most of the time, most of the world. And Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves... Treasures on earth. He doesn't define for us what those treasures are, assuming we know a bit of what they are. I think, like I said, those things that I just mentioned are typically what we see as treasures on earth. And Jesus says, Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Some translations might say, Don't store up for yourself. Some might say, Don't collect for yourself. All of those, I think, are good translations. Okay? So, so don't be a collector of those things. Don't make this what you aim at in life. I'm going to get power. I'm going to get pleasure. I'm going to get some money and stuff. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Jesus, when he gives us a command, we trust him, right? We know that he has our good in mind. He's not just trying to steal joy away from us so, like, we're not happy. That's not it at all. He knows what's going to make us really happy. And so when he gives us a command, we listen. Okay, so he's telling me this because he loves me. He loves me, and and so he's telling me, don't go there. Don't lay up for yourselves earthly treasures. I know that's what the rest of the world does. I know that's what your sinful heart wants to do. Don't don't do it. And then, I was talking about this with the middle school youth group this week. Um, Middle school students, I think all of us when we were kids, like it. When our parents don't just tell us what to do, but they tell us why to do it, right? They're not not required to do that, and Jesus certainly isn't required to do that. Wasn't it so kind of him to not just give us a command, but to give us the why that goes with it? So the command is, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. And then he's going to give us the why. Why should we not lay up treasures on earth? Well, because it's an unsecured investment. Here's what he says. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Jesus knows that anything that we can amass for ourselves, pleasure, power, money, and the stuff we can buy, all of that stuff is temporary. It's only going to say it will satisfy, right? For a time. But Jesus sees things from a different perspective than we naturally do, and he lets the people following him know, listen, you're going to get this stuff, it's only going to satisfy for a time, because eventually it's going to be destroyed, whether by moth or by rust, or by thieves breaking in and stealing it. And so we hear this from Jesus, and and we, you know, some of the things that, that we're told in Scripture, it's hard for us to get our minds around, this one's not, is it? It's not hard for us to get our minds around this, kids. How many of you got a toy for Christmas that you thought was awesome and you're already pretty much done playing with it, right? It doesn't take long. How many of us are driving a car that's worth less today than it was one year ago? Most of us, right? We know that stuff wears out. How many of you have recently had to buy an appliance that you thought you just replaced a few years ago, only to be told, yeah, they last about seven to eight years now? What, for that much? Right? That's what happens. How many of you pay to store your grain in bins somewhere because if you just left it outside, it would deteriorate over time? How many of you saw your retirement account take a big dip in the month of December? Right? Earthly treasure, over time, seems to, to, to fade away. Moth and rust destroy, thieves break in and steal. That's what Jesus says, and our experience says, yes, amen. You're right, Jesus. I've seen that. And so for application of this first point, I just want to acknowledge that while we think naturally that a lot of times money is going to solve problems, and can money solve problems? Yeah, sure can sometimes. Can money create problems? And I saw more head nods on that one than I did on the first one, because it's true that money often solves problems and maybe even more often seems to create problems. Does money cause problems in your marriage? Disagreements on how to spend it? Stress because of lack of it? money cause problems at work? When you are willing to cut corners to make more of it? When you're willing to sacrifice time with your family in order to make more of it? When you're jealous about somebody who makes more of it than you do? Debt is a significant problem. It can consume us. Most of us are making a mortgage payment on a house that we hope will retain its value over time. But we recognize that in order for that to happen, there's going to be stuff that, that falls apart, stuff that needs updating. So we're continually pouring money into it along with our mortgage. Some are paying on a car that loses value every month. You pay every month, and it loses value every month. That's how it works with cars, right? Some are working on paying off a credit card balance because you bought a bunch of stuff that seemed really necessary at the time and now you're wondering and you're paying a whole lot more for it than it's actually worth, right? Money solves some problems, but it creates a number of them as well. It's natural for us to lay up for ourselves treasures on earth because our culture and our sinful nature work really well together to tell us, that earthly treasures make us happy, you know uh, as I would visit Betty on a pretty regular basis over these last months, as she got closer and closer to knowing she was going to be with Jesus, God saved her uh, when she was uh, she's not uh she's not born into a family that preached the gospel, but she heard the gospel when a friend invited her somewhere, and so she's been a believer for a long time uh and uh and as she got closer and closer to to the day when she knew that uh, she was going to go be with Jesus, that's what she wanted more and more. You know, she wasn't all that concerned about what she, you know, everything she once had lived on a farmhouse. She now lived in an apartment in town uh, that she shared with her son. You know, not not a lot of earthly possessions. Not too concerned about that by the end. Because on Friday when they took Betty's body away from her apartment, that's all they took. They They didn't take anything else along with her. Right So we know that what Jesus says is true. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. It's all eventually going to be worth about zero, right? And Jesus knows that it's an unsecured investment. And that could leave you hopeless, except for Jesus says something in verse 20 that I think is really helpful. He's not saying, don't make investments in anything. you've you got to invest. But what are you going to invest in? He's going to tell us now about some secured investments. Verse 20 says this. Here's the positive command. We had the negative command. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and thieves break in and steal. Now the positive command. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You notice that Jesus isn't against you going after personal gain. Did you catch that here? He's commanding you to pursue personal gain in some way. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Okay? Collect for yourself treasures in heaven, Jesus says. Now, uh, when I said, when we got the command, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, I think it really is pretty easy for us to understand what treasures on earth are. I had some questions as I studied this. If Jesus' command is, lay up for yourselves or collect for yourself treasures in heaven, I'm wondering a couple of things that Jesus doesn't make clear here. He's going to tell us the why here in a moment. But he doesn't make very clear what treasures in heaven are and how you go about collecting them. Does he? He doesn't say that here. And that's not what Jesus intended to communicate here in this passage. So normally... I would say, well, that's good enough for me. That's not what Jesus, so let's go on. But, but sometimes, aren't you curious? Well, like, I want to know more. If Jesus is commanding me to do this, and I don't know what treasures in heaven are or how to go about doing that, I'm going to need to search Scripture somewhere else to help me understand that. So we're going to take a little bit of time to do that because I think it's helpful. I don't like to preach, like, you know, one sermon on this passage and then another sermon on this passage, like, all in the same day, but we're kind of doing that a little bit today, Okay? because I want to understand what it is that Jesus is commanding us to do here. There are many spots in scripture that refer to the reality that those who have been saved by God's grace through faith, our ultimate reward is going to heaven, to be with Jesus. That is the ultimate reward. But we do read about in scripture other rewards, other heavenly treasures beyond Jesus himself. So we can read about that in different places. And, and like Jesus says here, this is something that's much more secure. I love 1 Peter 1, 4 and 5. 1 Peter 1, 4 and 5 says that we are uh, headed in this direction. To an inheritance that is imperishable. Okay, it's not going to get rotten. It's undefiled. It's good and clean and pure. It's unfading. It's not wearing out. How is that happening? Because everything we have here seems to be perishable, defiled, or fading. Well, here's why. Because it's kept in heaven for us. So so there is an inheritance that is ours in Christ, that along with just being forever with Christ, we're also receiving this inheritance. That is kept in heaven for us, imperishable, undefiled, unfading, this is for us who, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. This is not something guaranteed to everybody who wants it or everybody who's good. This is guarantees everybody who trusts in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Right? So that helps us with the what. We could spend a lot more time looking at what does Scripture say about rewards in heaven. What are, what, how do we collect treasures in heaven? What, what is that all about? We've got to keep moving, though, because I want to get to the how. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, Jesus says. But I wonder, how how do I do that? How do I lay up for myself treasures in heaven? And I think there's one passage and one verse in that passage that's especially helpful with that. Turn in your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 6. I think this is really helpful for wanting to understand how do we store up, collect, lay up treasure in heaven. 1 Timothy chapter 6. 6. We're going to look at verses 17 to 19, and the key is going to be right in verse 18. But I like the other ones around it that are really helpful, too. Uh, so we're going to read it. Ready? As for the rich in this present age, right? It's us. Charge them. This is Paul writing to Timothy. Timothy, young pastor. You've got rich people in your church, just like I do, just like your pastor is one, right? Rich charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Paul sounds an awful lot like Jesus. Don't set your hope on the uncertainty of riches, but where do we set our hope? But on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. You know, Steve was talking about wrestling with that earlier. This, how do I enjoy the gifts that God gives, the many earthly things that God does give us to enjoy? We need to acknowledge that. God gives us good earthly things. We're not supposed to be like kind of these ascetic people who, you know, try to suffer and not enjoy anything in life except for Jesus. No, God gives us many good things to enjoy, but that's not where our hope is, right? But here's, listen, here's the key. Verse 18, they are to... Do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Do you see that? Doesn't this answer that how question that we might have? When Jesus says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, and we wonder, how are we going to do that? God reveals... Through Paul, writing to Timothy, how we do that. We do good, we be rich in good works, we be generous, and we are ready to share. Right? This is how we store up treasure for ourselves as a good foundation for the future so that we can take hold of that which is truly life. This is really living. Really living doesn't look like really living in Hollywood. Really living doesn't look like really living the life of an NBA superstar. That's not really living. Most of them aren't really living. Most of them are making a lot of money, but most of them are not really living. What does really living look like? What does true living look like? It looks like doing good, being rich in good works, being generous and ready to share. We're going to get back to those. I want to put those together. When we get to some application here in a moment, we're coming right back to those. But I want to finish the rest of verse 20, where Jesus says, again, gives us a why. He, here's why you store up for yourselves treasures in heaven and not on earth. We do that because we do that because, in heaven neither moth nor rust destroys and thieves do not break in and steal. Okay? Just a contrast between the first two verses there, 19 and 20. All right, now I want to get to application. And to do that, like I said, we need to go back to 1 Timothy 6.18. I said there was four things, to do good and to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. I want to get really specific about these things to help us. Uh, not just hear a command that we've probably heard before, but to really think through the practical implications of that command. okay so first thing and I'm going to put the first two together to do good and to be rich in good works, okay? To do good and to be rich in good works, one of the ways in which we store up or collect treasures in heaven is that we as God's people, again, this is not how you earn your way into heaven. this is this is those who Those who trust in Jesus, Jesus who paid it all so that we could have a right relationship with God and be welcomed in on his merits and not ours. For us, one of the ways that we then store up treasure in heaven is that we are doing good and being rich in good works. Again, naturally, we don't do this. Naturally, we serve ourselves. We think about what we want, what we like, and we work towards that. Towards me getting what I like and what I want. But here, Paul commands Timothy, you need to tell your people to do good and to be rich in good works. The cool thing about this, it doesn't really cost us anything financially, does it? To do good and to be rich in good works. Sometimes it does, but it doesn't have to. To go visit someone who's lonely, to write a note of encouragement to somebody who might need it, take a little extra time and move some of your neighbor's snow now that it's actually winter do you notice that it became winter yesterday um you know like just finding little ways to to do good to be rich in good works taking some of your own time that you could do to to do what's good for you and you could say no i'm going to give some of this time to do what's good for other people and there's joy in that as as steve shared about serving in awana like man Middle of the week, I'm pretty tired by, the, by, by Wednesday already, and I still got to get through Thursday and Friday. But to do good, to be rich in good works, I'm going to just pour myself out for the good of somebody other than me. Do good and to be rich in good works. That's one way that we store up treasure in heaven. And then be generous is another thing he says. And I want to spend a little bit of time on this where he says one of the ways we store up treasures in heaven is that we are generous. We give earthly treasure so that more people can receive treasure in heaven. We give our earthly treasure so that more and more people can hear the good news, trust in Jesus, and one day themselves receive treasure in heaven, and stop living with hope in the uncertainty of earthly riches. So we ought to be generous. Now, we can get to the how. How, how are we to be generous? Uh, there's many ways to be generous. Let me, let me just tell you, and this, I don't think this is motivated by me being a pastor and gaining a salary from the church. It probably is because I'm a sinner, so to some degree it might be. I'll just be honest with you. Um, but when you think of all that God has given you, when I think of all that God has given us financially, I'm talking now, because I think that's what he's talking about when he's saying be generous, There are a lot of good things going on in this world that you could give your money to, right? There's a lot of needs in this world that need to be met. Uh, I am on the advisory board for this life class in town. uh, And so uh, my day that I lead every year for this class of, like, new leaders in town, Pastor Stan's in the class, and I was uh, facilitating it this past week on Thursday. We went around from organization to organization in our town uh, of organizations that are doing really good things to serve the needs of many different people. And, and that works because many people in our community are very generous in lots of different ways. There's a lot of different things that we could give our money to. I think a lot of different organizations, what, what a lot of organizations do is they kind of take a slice of, of the work that God has commanded his people to do. And they, they, they work on kind of that slice and they specialize in that slice of what God has commanded us to do. So here's a question I want to pose to you. The question is, why give to the church? Why, of all the needs out there, why would we, why would we give to the church and not just kind of split our giving uh, equally amongst all these different things that, that have need? Uh, I found some really helpful stuff. Now, this is, this is, like, this is like eight sermons, okay, uh, that, that I could do on this. Uh, I'm going to go through it in about three minutes. Um, and I'm just going to use some stuff that I found from a, a very um, wise man uh, named Don Whitney. Uh, maybe some of you have read uh, books by him. Uh, and, and each of these points, there's kind of, here's, here's some scripture to go with it. Uh, we just don't have time to go through all that. I'd love to spend more time talking with you about like, hey, uh, w- I want to give a lot, but why give to the church? Here's some of the reasons that he gives. Giving shows love and gratitude for Jesus. Uh, that's just a general kind of uh, point. Then he says this, the church is the only organization that Jesus said he would build, right? Lots of good organizations doing lots of good stuff. So like we give some of our money as a church to other organizations that are specializing in some of those specified like specialties, right? We recognize that we can't do everything we're called to do. So some of the money that comes into our church, uh, nearly 20% of that money goes right back out to missions partners doing things that we can't do right here, right? So, so, so we, we, we like that. We, we recognize that. But Jesus did not say of any of those other organizations that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus said that about the church. There's no other organization that's called the body of Christ. There's no other group called to do the things, the, 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 the wide variety of things that the church is called to. Giving helps fulfill the great commission. Giving is a form of worship. That's why we still do it in our worship service. Um, giving testifies of a changed life and concern for others. This is like, hey, Jesus changed my life. I'm being, I am being—I was reached by somebody who was discipled in the church. I'm being discipled in the church, so my giving is going to go to the church to a large degree. Giving supports the ministry that supports us. Right, Recognizing all of the different ways that, that the church comes alongside to support us, then we want to give. Uh, for that purpose. We should use God's money for God's work and God's glory. Here's a quote from him. Since the church is the local expression of God's work, giving to it is the most direct way of using God's money for God's work. Again, lots of discussion uh, that we could have on these things, um, and it would be good to have. And part of that is going to come, I think, in that stewardship Sunday school class, which we mentioned is partially about money, but not all about money. So, how to give to the church, uh, again, this is mostly coming from Second Corinthians 8 and 9. If you're just wondering, uh, I, I loved to, and I haven't ever, I don't think, uh, preached on Second Corinthians 8 and 9. A couple of great chapters uh, in the Bible for you to take some time looking at. Uh, but there I think you would find uh, that it's helpful uh, when giving to the church is something consistent. It's not just a, how am I feeling? Uh, did the pastor say anything offensive or not this week? You know, like, how, how are my, but like, consistent giving. Just as you benefit from having a consistent source of income, uh, that, that the church too benefits from, ha- from having a consistent source of income. Uh, that, that's helpful in our planning and that kind of thing. Proportionally and cheerfully, I think, is, a, is another way in which we ought to do our giving. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about a tithe. A tithe is really a kind of a technical term for a, a 10%, okay? A tithe is a 10%. That was kind of the standard, uh, in the under the Old Covenant uh, was kind of this standard of giving 10% but there's other offerings and things on top of that. Um, that's not a command anywhere in the New Testament that we ought to uh, take 10% off the top of our gross income. Everything that comes in 10% right away as an act of worship and to get my heart kind of right, I'm giving that back uh, right away. Recogn- that's how, that helps me to remember that this all belongs to God. Not a New Testament requirement. Um, personally, I believe in what we try to practice is saying that's going to be our baseline uh, for giving to the church. What can we do over and above that? And then what other organizations or missionaries can we support on top of that? Uh, And and I think in many cases, God has given us enough uh, that we can do that. And we do it uh, cheerfully. Uh, In our Sunday school class, somebody mentioned that in their church growing up, they remember leaders from the church coming and asking uh, mom and dad, How much are you going to give this year? You need to pledge. We're going to write it down, and we'll be checking up on you. I don't know what anybody in our church gives, uh, and and we don't want anybody to feel like, hey, I'm compelled to do this. Uh, Some of you, when we were talking about trying to increase our budget so we could bring in, you know, uh, Pastor Stan, uh, some of you committed to, I'm going to give more. Uh, But we don't even know who committed to what. We're not keeping track, right? Uh, We want your giving to not be something that you feel uh, compelled or coerced to do, but something that's cheerful. Right? Out of a heart of gratefulness for what God has done and what God is doing and what God is yet to do, I'm gonna give. And then generously and sacrificially. Again, this, this just goes back to this is what God does. Is God stingy? Right? No, our God is generous and he gives in a sacrificial way, knowing that what we deserved was not his son. Yet he gives his one and only son. And that's what 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse, I don't know, nine, maybe. Uh, it talks about how, how Jesus uh, gave up his riches and became poor for us, that we in him might be made rich. And I don't think it's just talking about money. Generously and sacrificially is the model for how we are to give. Like I said, read 2 Corinthians 8 9 if you want more on that. And then finally, be ready to share. Another way that we are laying up treasures in heaven, that's the fourth thing that Paul says to Timothy, be ready to share, Right? That, that God has given us these things that we don't hold on tightly to, what, to earthly things. That we know are going to, like, God's given you a, a, a car? Let's share it with other people when they're in need, right? God's given, you, uh, God's given you a home? Share that with other people, even if it's messy, right? Share it with other people, even if it's not, uh, you know, perfect. Even if, like, HGTV is not coming to your house and doing a show, right? That's fine. Share what you got. Mi casa es tu casa. Like, come, come on over. Let yourself in. Let's do this. Be ready to share. All right, last verse, because we got to get going. We can, Like I said, we could spend a lot more time on this. I think this is important. Oh, by the way, when I talked about consistent giving, I was going to just mention this. Uh, um, one thing that's been helpful for our family, to just remain consistent in that, Not, it's not for everybody, but there's a few families, I guess, that do this, uh, We just have filled out a form. Uh, Jeff DeWeese is our church treasurer. We just filled out a form. Jeff is the one with two children on his lap in the back right there. Um, Jeff uh, has a form that you can fill out, and it just authorizes uh, our bank to automatically withdraw. You do this with lots of other bills, maybe. Um, And so every Friday, a certain amount comes out of our checking account uh, and goes to the church because we filled out this form. If you want to change it at any point, you just ask for a new form and you change it right? Um, so that's one way uh, that you can, if you're like, hey, I want to be consistent, but I'm, I'm not very good at being consistent, and we're gone sometimes, you, you can do that. Uh, again, not for everybody, but that's available to you. Uh, talk to Jeff. Not right now, because he's got two kids in his lap already, um, but in a little bit. All right. Finally, the heart follows. Verse 21. A lot of times when scripture talks about our heart, the the heart being kind of like the the center of our, our emotions, of our will, of our thinking. Kind of like that everything kind of flows from the heart. Remember, Jesus says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So a lot of times it's like the heart is the source and everything else comes out from that. But Jesus says something kind of opposite of that here in verse 21. He talks about how, how what we do, what we choose to treasure, how that then affects our heart. So it's kind of more like a circle, right? So let's look at verse 21 rather than me just telling you about it. Here's what Jesus said. It's our memory, memory verse for this week. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, so what it is that we're choosing to treasure— what, what, what occupies our thinking, what we worry about, what we long for, those kinds of things, what we spend our money on, what we spend our time on, what we seem to treasure in our life, our heart kind of follows that. And you can see how if, if all of what we do kind of flows out of our heart, how dangerous it is to treasure earthly things. Because then our heart is going to start to be enamored with earthly things, right? Right? But if we are giving ourselves, we're giving our 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 time, our treasure, our talent in order to in order to um invest in heavenly things, right? Things that have eternal value, then our heart is going to go there as well. Right? If you have something invested. I mean, that's that's part of how like sports gambling works and stuff like that. They know they're gonna get more fans if you've got something invested. You're gonna care a lot more. Uh you know, if you've got some money invested uh, in this, you then then you're going to pay a lot more attention, all of that kind of stuff, right? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So application questions to close. We can spend a lot of time on this. Again, this is going to be in your uh, life group guide. If you're not in a life group, talk about it in your family. What do my purchases, payments, and priorities say about what I love and treasure? I've said this many times. If somebody got a chance to look at uh, your account, however you look at your account online or in an actual checkbook. You know, people used to do that. Um, your payments. What are you making regular payments on? What are your priorities? What 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 is in your calendar that you always make room for? That you would, you like, if this is on there, I, I'm going to make sure I'm there. Other stuff becomes optional, but, but thi- what do our purchases, payments, and priorities say about what we love and treasure? That's a good question to ask ourselves. I want to next steps. Because some of you, like, you're hearing all this, like, okay, so I think I might need to be doing a little more work on this. We've kind of, like, money uh, and, and time are not areas where if you just kind of let it happen, it's going to go well. Maybe if you have, like, unlimited uh, time and money, maybe, maybe that can go well for quite some time. But for most of us, we're not going to see growth and maturity toward Christ if we're not very intentional about how we spend our time and our money. Okay, so we need to be thinking about that. That's why we're doing this at the beginning of the year, because this is a time where naturally people think about this more. For some of you, it might need to just be: here's your next step. Talk with your spouse. You're married to each other, and you've just kind of like one of you pays the bills. Maybe the maybe you both like you, life is just happening in this area. Calendar. It's just like well, whatever anybody else tells me, it's in my calendar, and that's just how we do it. Do you do you stop and evaluate how you're spending? Okay. It takes time. My day off is on Friday, and that's how I spent a good chunk of it. Kirsten and I talking about budget. It takes time to do that. Parents, teach your kids these things. Kids are are being raised in a world where they're super influenced uh, by uh, people who love earthly treasure. And if we don't do something intentionally with our kids, even teaching them about things like money and like time, they're going to become like everybody else one thing that was helpful, uh, has been helpful for us uh, with our kids, we bought one and then we didn't buy them anymore after buying one, so the kids have different ways of doing it, but we actually bought this little bank that had like uh, giving, spending, and saving, three different banks, so not just one piggy bank that when the kids would get money, they put it in, it was one bank that had three separate compartments, giving, spending, and saving. Are there a lot of bills that kids even in high school have to pay? Not really, unless they want to be like just frivolous with their money, right? Uh, they don't have a lot of commitments yet, but they also do get an income. I mean, I think of the money that kids get for birthdays and all this stuff. Trying to teach them from a young age, here, we want to take first from what we get and make sure that we recognize that this all belongs to God. And what is going to bring him honor and glory? And so so they can, I mean, certainly probably do a lot more than 10%, you know, in in giving. And then we're going to save some of this because we don't, kids need to learn, you don't get everything you want right now. And if you want something, sometimes you have to save up for it. That's a good thing for kids to learn. And then some to spend, um, because God does give us earthly things to enjoy. Okay? So teach our kids. Uh, some of you are like, okay, all this stuff is really good, uh, but it's complicated. I don't, I don't understand money stuff. I didn't have a good example in my life, and I think I'm kind of blowing it. Go back to last week. Part of, the, part of the gift of having a church family is there's other people that know stuff better than you do, right? Talk to some people. Ask somebody for help in your life group. If you want to just know, hey, who could I talk to you about this and you don't even know who to talk to, ask me and I'll tell you some people to talk to. Ask people for help. And then finally, take the stewardship class that starts next Sunday at nine. okay? Uh, steward your time a little differently. maybe get up a, a little bit earlier. come. Uh, we're going to be talking about this kind of stuff uh, for 13 weeks in a row. Uh, that might be really helpful for you. Here's the, here's the reality. Jesus is a much better treasure than anything else. I me long for him. I'm going to read a quote to you, and then I'll pray, and then we'll sing. I don't have the quote on the screen, so you're just going to have to listen. If we are the most comfortable people in the history of this fallen planet, and we are, and yet joy remains so elusive in life, it does, then it must be concluded that something or someone far greater than personal comfort must be the source of true joy, right? We have way more than anybody else in in most of the rest of history, most of the rest of the world, and yet we're struggling in so many ways. Maybe that's because our hope ought not to be in the stuff that we have. Maybe because there is some other source of true joy. Maybe there is some better treasure out there. And thankfully, we have the word of God to let us know and the people of God to remind us. It is Jesus. We're going to sing about that to help remind ourselves about that. Uh, And I'm going to pray that God would help solidify this in our hearts. Father, would you please uh, do that now? Uh, we We need to be changed. We need to be molded. We're easily molded by the world. It's just kind of like the mold that we fit into. We easily crave what everybody else craves and live for what everybody else lives for. We spend what everybody else spends. But God, I pray that you'd help us to be radically different because we're not our own king anymore, but because uh, just as as, uh, your word said a a couple verses later, we cannot serve both God and money. We know that money is a, a helpful servant, but a bad, bad master. And we know that you ought not to be our servant, but that you ought to be our master. And we know of your great love for us and your generosity toward us in that. Jesus came not to be served, but to be a servant and to give his life as a ransom for us. He paid it all, all to him we owe, and so, help our lives to reflect that treasure. Uh, Everything good that uh, comes from you, uh, we're thankful for that. And, And God, I pray that you remind us day in and day out that Jesus is far better uh, than anything else that we have. In Jesus' name, amen.